Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome into the Tiger Woods podcast right here. You know it, the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. What is up, Cam Rogers coming at you? And I'm alongside Bridget Whalen, as always. We are your Tiger Woods experts here for you as the golf season really starts to ramp up. We have the Wyndham Championship this week. This is the final tournament before the FedEx Cup playoffs. So we'll have three events within the playoff bracket, if you will, the umbrella. And then, of course, we have the U.S. Open and that thing called the Masters in November. So exciting times right here on the podcast. And I have a big-time feeling that we will see a lot of Tiger Woods within the next month and a half or so. So stay tuned for that. Hit us up on social media. I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Rogers 99 and on the gram, at Mr. Rogers 98 Follow Bridget on both social media accounts, at Bridget K. Whalen. Here's the lowdown. PGA Championship recap. Tiger Woods' performance. Colin Morikawa, of course, the victor. And what happened with Brooks Kepka on that final day and of course we will talk about our picks from last week and then look ahead to the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro North Carolina Sedgefield Country Club a really interesting tournament and some players trying to get inside of the FedEx Cup playoff field we'll see if they can get it done all right Bridget Whalen, welcome to the show, PGA Championship Recap. We're talking Tiger Woods, of course, and Woods finishing on a high note, but overall, I was not too surprised of his performance, and I think, Bridget, you know, our expert picks missed the cut. That's fine. We were pretty accurate about Tiger and his performance at TPC Harding Park going into this event because we both didn't think he was going to win it or finish inside the top five at least I didn't I gave him somewhere around top 25 he ended up finishing inside the top 40 what do you make of Tiger's performance overall before we dig deep first of all my house phone is ringing so stand by everybody oh my gosh who could be calling Bridget Whalen right now (laughs) on a house line ladies and gentlemen she is in possession of a landline Grandma Whalen is here joining the pod. Welcome, Grandma Whalen. <laughs> wow, that was uh, as timely as it gets there. I love it. Um, welcome, welcome. Uh, so, what do I think of Tiger? My overarching feeling is that he is healthy and it, he looked great. Even mm-hmm. Joe LaCava said, To me, I always look at health, and I think he feels and looks healthy, and that was big for Joe, and it was big for me. Um, There were plenty of good drives, and on Sunday, he definitely had easier conditions. He had a lot of good irons. I just think after the first round, he really couldn't get that putter going, and that's kind of what deterred him. I also don't know if this course really set up to to Tiger. Initially, I thought it would, and then – as the, you know, as the tournament sort of to 
sort of like went on, I realized like, ah, I don't know if I would have even pictured Tiger winning here anyway. So I just think the course maybe wasn't as good as a fit as I thought it might've been just him, you know, being a California kid and going to Stanford. Um, but all in all, I think he goes back to his health. There's a big stretch ahead and I think he looks really healthy. So I'm excited. Yeah, I think overall there was nothing that was really out of sorts for Tiger Woods per se. I think he said it best. You're going to lose more tournaments than you win. And I don't think we actually need to extrapolate with any broad conclusions about the past week. I think he showed up. He made the cut. His back was fine. He hit a few fairways. He putted pretty solidly, especially on Thursday. The irons were fine. And we move on. You know, he didn't contend. And again, I did not expect him to contend at this tournament. This is what we do for you on the Tiger Woods podcast. We're not homers 100% of the time, right? We got to put on our analyst hats, if you will, and be realistic about the factors at play. I didn't like the weather. I didn't like the course, the rough, blah, blah, blah. With that said, the fact that he stayed loose in that weather, I think is really key. I, I mean, I, I definitely think he could have hit more fairways. I think that definitely would have played into his favor, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, he did. He, you know, he wasn't like as usually stellar with the iron play, but he still finished under par. So. Yeah, he was in the red, and that was a big goal for him going into that final round right. on Sunday. And yeah, I think. Coming out of this event healthy really gives me confidence that he can make this little bit of a run here in the FedEx Cup playoffs and then, of course, into the U.S. Open because you're hitting out of thick, luscious, rough, Bridget, in 60-degree temperatures, even colder on Thursday when Tiger played in the morning, and that's actually his best day. So all that factored in. I think it was a cautiously optimistic solid week for him again he didn't contend obviously he didn't win and it's fine he's not going to win every single time he tees it up but I think overall it was an encouraging week for him the bottom line is he will continue to contend at major championships I think obviously they'll just be fewer and farther between compared to the old days I still think he has elite iron play an amazing swing speed too by the way for a 44 year old and probably has another decade left at contending in major championships. That's what I'm telling people when I do my radio interviews is like, hey, I mean, this guy's going to be around. So let's not freak out if he doesn't really contend this week at TPC Harding Park. And obviously he did not. So we look ahead now to the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think that's the biggest takeaway, right, Bridget? The health and that he's all good to go. And by the way, Joey LaCava saying that Tiger should probably play more. That's an interesting little nugget. I love that. (laughs) That and that all goes back to him being healthy. I really do think that Joe has, you know, a bird's eye view of Tiger's health. And if he thinks that he's loose and he's playing well and he could do better with more reps, then I agree with him. I think if anyone knows, it would be Joe. I mean, for me, if anyone knows, obviously it's Tiger, but the second best person I think would be Joey. So to hear him say that, I think really means that Tiger's back isn't giving him any, you know, problems. He probably hasn't been experiencing stiffness. I really do think that the layoff um, voted well for Tiger, which is crazy because I think for a lot of other players, maybe it didn't. So it really played into his favor. And I think now, 
the next stretch of golf is really what he's been training for to get like that endurance up the ability to make sure that he could handle like that type of workload. I think that he's going to be pushing hard now for the next few weeks. And I think that he's healthy and he's sort of in a good position to do so. Yeah, let's do that. Let's look ahead a little bit here and figure out where we see Tiger Woods on the PGA Tour coming up. And obviously, he's not playing this week at the Wyndham Championship. No reason to do that. Then we have the FedEx Cup playoffs. Leg number one, the Northern Trust at TPC Boston. Then you have the BMW Championship in Chicago. And then you wrap it up with the Tour Championship at East Lake. As we stand, Tiger does not qualify for that final leg, which would be the top 30. So he needs to play well at either the Northern Trust or the BMW to advance to East Lake for that final, final tournament. Does he play all three, Bridget? Because I feel like he will. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think he can afford to skip any of the tournaments he's 47th right now correct so yeah I think um if he has any intentions of getting to Atlanta for the tour championship no I I don't see him skipping uh any of the weeks and of course I believe he did that last year he did skip the first leg if I recall correctly so after the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs you have the Safeway open just kind of casually chilling there in between the playoffs and the U.S. open at winged foot And giving an early look at that, Bridget, of course, you know well, do you think it suits Tiger's game better than Harding Park? So winged foot is interesting because the further or the deeper into the rough you get, the more penalizing it is. Mm -hmm. So if you're really like spraying it out there or, you know, you're not hitting fairways, the further off course you get, the, the worse position you're in. So if he could hit fairways, for sure, obviously, I see him being successful at wing foot. Um, again, I, I don't know if he's going to major contend this year. I just don't know if – for me, it's the reps. So, like, uh, this next stretch, obviously, he's going to get a lot of reps in if, you know, if he makes cuts and everything goes as planned. Um, but then is he going to be tired? Like, I really don't know. This year is just so strange in the way that the schedule is breaking down. I mean, it, it couldn't be more irregular if it tried. Right. So yeah, I totally see him being successful at Wingfoot. I think that um, that course definitely suits him better than Harding Park, in my opinion, um, just, you know, from, from past history experience. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see about the weather too. Probably fairly warm, I would guess, in New York. Yeah. For September, right? So yeah, definitely. You know. A lot of people think of September as autumn, and you know, I, I'm from the Northeast. No, it's still warm. We have yeah. Indian summers. Uh, September will be warm. I mean, you know, you could get a, a cold evening or cold, chilly, you know, in the high 60s. But it, overall, it's still summer, <laughs> even in the Northeast. Another par 70, by the way, as well coming up for winged foot. So. It's going to be quite a run for Tiger Woods. It's going to be quite a test for him as well in terms of how that back is going to hold up. But I certainly leave room for his actually not playing maybe one of those FedEx Cup playoff events. If he feels like the back is starting to creep in, he's starting to feel something he doesn't want to feel, and he's like, all right, let me just take it off and then play the U.S. Open later on. So I leave room for that. I don't want that, but, you know, it's something that Tiger Nation should bear in mind. We all know 
week in and week out, uh, it could be a roll of the dice with this guy. So overall, solid week at TPC Harding Park. And we move on to the FedEx Cup playoffs. Let's talk about the winner, though. Colin Morikawa has as many major championship wins as missed cuts on the PGA Tour. Lowest scoring 36 or lowest closing 36 hole score in PGA Championship history, beating out Tigers 66 64 in 2018 at Belle Reve. And of course, Colin won earlier at the Workday Charity Open just a few weeks ago at Mirfield Village. Led the field in driving accuracy, proximity to the hole, and strokes gained putting. If you do that every week, I guarantee you, you will finish at least inside the top 10. So recipe for success. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Colin Morikawa winning his first major championship in his second start in these types of tournaments. Bridget, what did you make of this victory? Obviously that Eagle on 16 really stands out to golf fans out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think he sort of said it best. So with nine holes to go and if he has the chance to win, you know, he was in contention he sort of said it best. He said, why not me? And I agree. If you're in contention in that final stretch, why not you? You put yourself there. Um, he's sort of been on the radar for quite some time now. You know, he's in that, uh, that little bubble, if you want to say, Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, Colin. They're sort of going to be grouped together probably for the rest of their career. And they're these young guns who kind of, just have that hunger to win, which is so interesting for, you know, basically rookies out on tour to really have that sort of confidence that they could do it. I think that in sort of, you know, years past, or I guess you could say generations past, I think a lot of players sort of built towards that. I don't know if they like came right out of the gate. Tiger sure as heck did. But again, you know, Tiger is one of a kind. So these younger guys sort of have that mentality of the why not me just as Colin did you know on that back nine that final stretch so yeah why not Colin he could hit it straight he hits it far his precision is you know he's super accurate so I mean I guess like someone like that yeah they're gonna have a lot of success especially when they're in the mix so I don't know I wasn't really surprised cut you know I Coming down to it, obviously, when DJ chipped in, I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, I don't know. We still have a chance here. Yeah. I definitely don't hold the same sentiment as Brooks. I think DJ is a phenomenal player, and I think he has proven to be so. So I never count him out, but, yeah, that drive was insane. I was actually on the phone with my dad when he hit it, and my dad was like, wait, what did he just – did you just see that? And I was like, yeah, that was crazy. Like, you, you know, it's a drivable par four, sure. But just to see it and like to see how you could dominate a hole like that. And yeah, I, I know that other guys were driving the green, but there's a lot of pressure when you're in contention to win and you're able to hit a shot like that and you're able to pull it off and you're able to capitalize on it. He made the putt. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of elements going on. There's a lot of angst and nervousness when you're in the thick of it. Not only is it a major, it's his first ma it's major win. It's his first major that he's, you know, going to win. Like, there's a lot of pressure going on there. So, that shot was amazing. 
um, incredible. We, my dad and I had to look up the yardage of the hole just because again, I know other players were doing it, but in the moment to do it was, it was spectacular. Is it going to be Phil out of the pine straw in 2010 sort of memorable? I don't know yet, Bridget, but we'll I see. I don't know either. Yeah. I think no, because other guys were sort of, you know, it's the recency bias when right. he did it, everyone forgot that like, no, I mean like other players were doing it too. <laughs> but, you know, when he did it, it was like prime time. Everyone's watching. This is the final few holes, the stretch, you know, no, I – DJ's drive at Century Tournament of Champions was mm. way better to inches was was better than that. So I, you know, I don't know. It is what it is. It, the fact that it came when it came, I think, made it so stellar. The and that, yeah. yeah, and that he capitalized on the birdie or what the eagle. Like you could have very well missed that putt. Third youngest PGA Championship winner ever, only McElroy in 2012, and Jack did it at a younger age. So Colin Morikawa, definitely a big-time successful week and plenty of more major championships, I would think, coming his way. I'm not going to say 10 or 15, but a good amount for this guy. Now, Bridget, I saw something on social media, maybe even a couple of times, people clamoring for three of the four major championships to be on the West coast so that we get it in prime time. <laughs> what do you make of that? Let's just cancel off the entire East coast, huh? Yeah. I mean, I love it. it. You know, you could do something, you could get some stuff during the day done and then you could watch golf, but no, I like, come on. <laughs> yeah. It's so a bit so ridiculous. Golf. Yeah. I mean, I also love coffee golf. I, you know, I love the British open. Sure. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely was awesome to be watching major championship coverage at, you know, nine, 10 at night. I love that. It was great. But then if you wanted to watch live from, you're watching it till midnight. So like, I don't know if that's so great. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, I, I enjoyed the time. I enjoyed, I enjoyed San Francisco. I enjoyed the trees. I really thought it was a beautiful visual this week. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, you can't cancel the East Coast. Come on. I know. Too many good golf courses that way. Yeah, and we're kind of biased, but still. Courses. Yeah. And like, also, that, that's the whole point of a Rota. Like, right. if you want it to be in one place all the time, then go the Masters route and set it at a course. Overall, I thought the broadcast was really great, especially the ESPN guys, Scott Van Pelt, fellow Maryland Terrapin, and David Duvall as a color commentator was really great as well. I've always been a fan of him, uh, especially as a player. And I think overall the telecast was as good as it can be. I don't know if you have any uh, interesting nuggets to provide as a golf channel veteran out there, Bridget, but uh, I thought it was really well done. Yeah. I love David Duvall as well. I worked with him at golf channel. I think anytime he opens his mouth, you should listen. He yeah. has a lot of good things to say. He has, a great perspective. Uh, I loved Phil Mickelson on the broadcast. That was incredible. I hope that Phil really does turn this into the next poor. I mean, I'm sure he's going to play on the PJ tour champions. I'm not going to count that out, but he really needs to segue into the broadcasting industry. He was amazing. That was incredible. Like a player going into the booth and having insight because he had just played the course. That's yeah. second to none. You're never going to get that. 
he was talking, I love when Phil talks about greens and the colors of the green, like just the stuff that he says, not many other people say, I think he did a really great job. I would love to see more of that. Like you bring in players after they're done with the round. I mean, again, you have to, you know, there's a really certain sort of subset of players that would be good at that or who even want to do that. You, it's much harder than it looks as you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that's a really cool dichotomy to like have someone who is out on the course come on in and like fill us in on like what's going out, fill us in (laughs) Um, on like what's going on out there. I think that was super cool. I really enjoyed it overall. I know a lot of people had issues with ESPN plus, but it was five bucks. You spend that much on a coffee at Starbucks in one day. And And then unsubscribe and you're good. Exactly. So I hope everyone remembers to unsubscribe, but like, honestly, $4.99 all day, I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, all day coverage too on ESPN plus that was the uh, big time takeaway for me. Luckily I had a friend who has the account. So I just used that and it was perfect. So it all worked out on my end. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was really well done and I look forward to more CBS and ESPN partnerships. Meanwhile, there's a guy that we didn't mention yet who kind of had a rough Sunday. And by rough, I mean only one person in the field beat him on his final round, Jim Herman. Uh, I should say did worse than Brooks Kepka, Jim Herman. Uh, so Brooks Kepka, 74 in round four, took him way out of the tournament, finished T29, and... I guess you could say there was a big-time target on his back after that round, Bridget, because he kind of talked smack on Saturday evening. And I say kind of because I mean it. Like, he didn't really throw darts, per se, at Dustin Johnson or anybody else on that leaderboard. I think the only point he was trying to make, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Bridget, was that, hey, I'm the guy with four major championships. Yeah, I guess DJ has one but everybody else has zero. So ergo, I should be the favorite going into tomorrow. And for the most part, Brooks has been 10 out of 10 in terms of uh, backing up his talk because he wins. Sunday, obviously he did not back that up. And when you watched that interview, it looked like he was thinking and then saying, thinking and then saying, he wasn't like strategically trying to get into Dustin Johnson's head or anything like that. He like literally looked to the sky and he was like, yeah, I think Dustin has won or anything like that and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I don't think there was so much malice in it, but of course social media goes in on Brooks and whatever. But at the end of the day, he didn't win. He didn't play well. He moves on. He's actually playing this week at the Wyndham Championship. But with all that said, Bridget, feel free to say your piece here about what you saw from Brooks on the course and, of course, with the media. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. He has backed it up in majors, and he's he's won four. That's stellar. Um, and he's not even 30 yet. I think that <clears throat> what he said about DJ was weird in the sense – that golf typically I don't know a lot of golfers who compare themselves to other golfers I mean comparing yourself to like Brooks comparing himself to DJ on the like four to one to me was just like strange like golfers play the course you're you're trying to beat the course Mm -hmm. 
Now, if it's final round Sunday and you're in a playoff, yeah, different story. Obviously, you want to beat the other guy. But the compare and contrast was strange for me. And I think Rory spoke to it by saying, you know, golf is like a gentleman's sport. We all respect each other. I don't think Brooks was disrespecting DJ. I just do think that it was a little weird when DJ has over 20 PGA Tour victories to sort of focus on his one major. Like he has won one. That's that's a feat in and of itself. So that the the focus on that was a little strange. But from what you said, yeah, like he has won four. So I also don't think there was malice. I think that Brooks is a little bit of the villain right now on tour. And I don't know why he's putting himself in that position. I think he's always sort of had a cantankerous relationship with the media. And I think that he's always sort of portrayed himself as someone who isn't really bothered by it. But then there have been glimpses where he actually is bothered by it. And he's totally tuned in to what's going on. He's made some remarks about Bryson and the milkshakes. And, and he, he's, I don't know, he's, he's playing that part. So I don't know what he's doing here. Maybe he's just having fun. But I think that Sunday was a little karmic for him because, yeah, yeah he didn't back it up. But again, it's not like he went out and shot like 80, you know, which guys have on a, a final round major when they're, you know, in contention or in the mix. Um, he, he wasn't totally in contention, but he wasn't out of it. He was six under, right, going into Sunday. So, oh, he was certainly there, yeah. Yeah, he was right there, especially having won, you know, so many majors. I think if you have major success, so this is kind of where I agree with him. Yeah, that is indicative of future major success. If you have PGA Tour success, I don't know if that's always indicative of major success. And maybe – that sort of goes to the point he was making because Dustin does have 21 victories and he does only have one major. Matt so, Kuchar, another example. Exactly. That's a really good point. Fowler, yeah. Right. So, like, you could sort of argue with him that, yeah, maybe having major success puts you in a, a different category and maybe that's what he was sort of, you know, kind of focusing on. And then with that being said, yeah, I agree with him. I also agree with Brooks in the sense that, I, I now never count him out, you know, from winning a major. Someone put online that this week is the first time he hasn't been a reigning major champion since June 2017. Yeah. Like, that's insane. It, it's August 2020, everyone, in case you didn't know, because corona has messed this whole year up. Every day is the same, Bridget. Yeah. <laughs> is it August? I don't know. I don't the know. calendar says it is, so I'm going to go with that. But yeah, so for me, I think right now he's playing a little bit of the victim. I don't really know why he's doing that. I think he I think he wants to be that person who sort of knows what's going around and sort of around him like at all times. And that's fine if he wants to be that guy. There's so many players on tour that aren't that guy, you know, that are totally tuned out from everything else but their game. So like he's a different subset of player and I think Rory really alluded to it well that he's sort of like a boxer, you know, like a, a contact sport athlete, whereas a lot of other guys on tour really aren't. And so if that's Brooks's thing, cool, that's your thing. Like, go, go for it. I, again, I'm, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't know what kind of mentality I would have. So like, I really have no POV to come from. 
I just don't want him to get in a position where other players on tour could sort of be taken his comments and remarks as being disrespectful, as Rory definitely alluded to. Because at the end of the day, no, I think Brooks respects DJ. I actually think they're buddies, even though people have said that they've had a falling out. I don't know. I don't think they've had a falling out. I think they're just focused on their golf. So for me, I think maybe he targeted DJ because DJ is like a safe space. You know how you make fun of your friends more so than you would do someone you're not really friendly and with. And it could honestly just be that at the end of the right. day. Yeah, like he kind of had a, a safety net with DJ because DJ's his buddy. So like, again, I think we got to calm down. I think his remarks were at the end of the day, not disrespectful. And like you said, he definitely was pondering over his answer before he gave it, which you don't see a lot of. So he, he, he wasn't, I don't think he was calculated in this at all. So I'm just going to say that I really don't care about the whole disrespect thing. Like if you want to talk smack, do it. I think it's actually kind of a just beautiful thing to see in golf sometimes because it's just so vanilla and you get the same answers week in and week out to throw in a little punch, a little jab here and there. Hey, I'm all for it. You know, go for it. UFC style. You know what I mean? So at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. Fine. The other thing is like, Hey Brooks, are you enjoying yourself? Like Jesus. I mean, Bridget, did you see his press conference before the tournament? And he's like, looking pissed off when he's answering the questions it's like dude just don't show up it's like i mean it's kind of weird to me to see him do these media interviews and it's like he's not giving a lot and i feel bad for these reporters asking him questions because it's vanilla answers and he doesn't look like he's having a good time and it's like brooks come on man uh i don't know maybe it's just my perception no, I agree with you. It's like pulling teeth with him for sure. And comparatively speaking, a press conference with Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy. Oh, so pleasant. Yeah, a press yeah. conference with Brooks Kepka. It's like night and day. So, yeah, I, I mean, when Jordan Spieth speaks, whether he's playing good or bad, I smile. And that's just kind of who he is. Same with Rory. When, when Rory has something to say, it is always said so eloquently and perfectly. And yeah, maybe I guess that could get boring. And, and Brooks is totally different. But I agree with you. His presser pre-tournament made me uncomfortable. He just, you know, he no, he doesn't look like he's having fun at all. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, you have Tiger, who's very sharp, quick. Matter of fact, Tiger Woods, tough conditions. Uh, we're going to go out and we're going to win. Then you have Brooks, who's like, ah. And then you have, you know, the smooth-talking Rory McIlroy and Jordan yeah. Spieth. It's just so interesting. And I think I made this observation, Bridget, because I was on YouTube and I, like, watched all of these press conferences back to back to back to back, right? So I could juxtapose everything. And then, you know, you really start to see the differences there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was my profession. I would have to just sit and like, right, you know, yeah. yeah, and clip what I thought was, you know, most sort of interesting to put out there. Um, and I always thoroughly enjoyed some guys. And then there's some guys where you're like, will I get a soundbite? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, I think Brooks, he, he wasn't always this way. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. You know, everyone goes through things. He, he wasn't, he, he's much more, um, he, again, I want to say he has a cantankerous relationship with the media. And I think that it's, it's gonna just sort of affect him 
and affect the media sort of more and more so down the road. So I don't know. I think he's going to continue to win majors. I don't think this was indicative of anything. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. I think he really wasn't playing his best golf up until the WGC. So to even see him sort of get into the mix for the final round, I think was great for him. You know, he's been having a lot of health issues as of late. So, hey, maybe that's what's bothering him. Could be that. Could be the knee. There you go. Honestly, he's a human. Like, let's all just kind of, you know, I know – Again, Tiger really did, like, he did a number on golf fans because he's a su- he's Superman. So he sort of made us all kind of believe that he's invincible. And then you hold other golfers to somewhat a similar standard. But at the end of the day, they're just guys playing golf. They're just like us. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know. Give them a break, I guess. I don't know. And we're just here having fun too, right? We don't really care at the end of the day, of course, but uh, it's interesting to talk about for sure. Uh, Let's talk about the Wyndham Championship. This week, Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's another par 70, shorter than Harding Park. You could probably guess that. Bermuda Greens and uh, the last five winners, quite an interesting group. The Postman last year, Snedeker in 2018, Stenson in 2017, Si Wu Kim in 2016, and then Davis Love the Third in 2015. So quite an interesting blend here. Obviously, the name that sticks out is Webby himself. Webb Simpson has finished outside the top 25 once since 2010, and he has played every year since then. So quite an impressive resume in terms of his performances at this tournament. So normally the week after a major Bridget is like a layoff. Usually it's a bad field. And I mean, the field isn't awful, right? I mean, it's decent. Some solid names are there, but also, I mean, these guys are jogging for FedEx cup playoff positioning too. And also trying to get inside that bubble, if you will, uh, which is the word of 2020, by the way, bubble. So So many bubbles, so many, so many. Absolutely. By the way, folks, the big 10, not going to have football in the fall. That's my quick tangent of the uh, podcast. No Big Ten football this fall officially. Anyway, Wyndham Championship. Bridget, any uh, overarching thoughts? I mean, Webb Simpson all the way, right? It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. And, I mean, he's on fire this year. So I, I definitely think he would be a good guy to bet on. Uh, I, I don't really have any like overarching thoughts about this tournament. I got to be honest. I don't tend to focus too much on it. Just, I know, I, but like, it, it's sort of a little bit off my radar just coming. I don't know. And now I feel bad, but it's like the I mean, RBC. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I definitely watched last year when JT Poston won. I thought that was awesome. But, uh, prior to that, it, no, I, it wasn't really on my radar. The um, one year Tiger played because he oh, had playoffs. I want to say 2015. I'm not sure, though. Yeah, that chip from, from he was, like, in the fan area. Yeah. He chipped in. I do remember that. So, yeah, I definitely watched it that year. Um, North Carolina, Donald Ross Golf Course. My dad played a Donald Ross Golf Course this past weekend. He played Waterbury Country Club. So that's about all I got on this one. 
Well, let's talk about our picks from last week. Obviously, <laughs> they didn't do well. I went Fowler, and he missed a six-inch putt to make the freaking cut. Way to go, Rick. And then, of course, Bridget, <laughs> you go with Maddie Fitzpatrick. He misses the cut as well, riding that hot putter, and it went cold. So the cut by, uh, by a mile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ice cold. So I am in the lead still with – a shade over, uh, let's see, I'm at $2,401,000, and then Bridget's at $1,000,000 and roughly $600,000. I don't know where you got the sense here. You have Yeah, whatever. You know, it's I, I like it. It's going to stay. I Fair. don't know where I got it either, but it is what it is. All right. Well, with that, I mean, the week before, we had a great week. I went JT, you went Daniel Berger, win and tied for second respectively. And then of course last week. So, I mean, volatility, you gotta love it. <laughs> what do you make of this week? Because I have a bunch of names that I love and uh, I'm struggling to pick one. Well, keeping with the bubble theme, our heads were like giant bubbles that were just exactly <laughs> like deflated immediately. I'm going with my guy. I have a few guys that I just love to pieces, and I'm going with one this week. Kevin Kisner, he played well last week, T19 finish, South Carolina boy, we're in North Carolina, I don't know, I like One him. of them. Yeah, it's, it's a Carolina. <laughs> um, I, I just think he's, he's playing well, and I don't know, I like him. I'm going with Kiz. Typically has a good performance uh, and resume at these par 70s, these shorter courses. He has a top 10 uh, from 2016, top 10 from 2014. So he has that. Uh, I like the pick because he was one of the people that I was going to go with. So I won't now. Uh, Harris English is on my list. I just don't think he has the winning upside. He has the stats. He has the top 20 finishes, but eh, sorry, Harris. So it comes down to, Billy Horschel or Patrick Reed? And I picked Reed earlier this year. I'm pretty sure that did not work out well. I'm going to go with uh, Billy Horschel. I'm going to go with the former FedEx Cup champion. I think this could be his time to shine this week. He has great form right now. Not a lot of people are talking about him. Uh, solid course history, too, at Sedgefield, which actually surprises me because when I think of Billy Horschel, I think of, like, hard courses, not birdie fests, which this will be. So I like him. I'm going to go with him to win this week. I don't think we get a winner from the past this week. So that takes out Patrick Reed. I think he won in 2013. And that also takes out Snedeker and Hendrick Stenson, et cetera. So give me Horschel. All right. I, I like that. He was definitely in, in things that I read. He was up there. So go with I it. I was so mad at myself, too, because, you know, I mentioned the X-Man last week, and he actually had a top 10 finish, and then I overthought it, overanalyzed, and was like, oh, yeah, let's just go with Rick. Why not? Well, he was my – I was going to go with him, too, and then my brother talked me out of it, and I was <sighs> like, oh, now you owe me. You, you owe me some money. Buddy. Well, he just won some money, so he can give it to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's right. So, like, pay up because I missed the cut. I mean, I was actually really – I was shocked by Matt Fitzpatrick. So, uh, what do you gonna do? 
golf. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. It's honestly the volatility of the game, like you said. Absolutely. At some point, I'll have to put up our picks somewhere on Twitter or whatever just to see like the differential week to week. But anyway, we got plenty of time before that happens. We, of course, have the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, the Wyndham Championship is this week. Plenty of Tiger Woods content coming your way right here on the Tiger Woods podcast. Be sure to check out Believe.com as football season ramps up. We have a lot of fun NFL shows. Isaac Bruce, former Ram and Hall of Famer, Eric Davis, Super Bowl champion. He does the 49ers. So definitely check out all of those shows. And we're signing off for this week. For Bridget Whalen, I am Cam Rogers. We'll check you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.